Hello and welcome to the Superposition Guys podcast. My name is Yuval, and my guests today are Anna Knorr and Rodrigo Bravo, co-founders of the Quantum Ethics Project. We discuss the project's origins in addressing the ethical considerations in quantum technologies and explore the unique ethical challenges that quantum technologies pose, including issues related to dual-use applications and responsible research. We touch on the potential for international cooperation in quantum ethics, Anna's and Rodrigo's hopes for the future where ethical considerations are integrated into the development of quantum technology, and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, Anna. Hello, Rodrigo. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's our pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us, Yuval. So who are you and what do you do? Well, uh, I can go first, Rodrigo. So hello, everyone. I am Anna. I just finished my, my master's at Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Waterloo, Canada. Uh, and I specialized in quantum materials, quantum computing during that. And today is actually my, my second day at Speed to Zero in Zurich. So I'm switching field for one year, diving more into climate and energy research. And apart from that, I'm also part of the QEP, the Quantum Ethics Project. And I've just been organizing all kinds of events over the past year, uh, formerly in the role of Outreach League. Yeah, and I'm Rodrigo. I am currently at the university, at Harvard University. I'm doing my PhD in physics, um, in topics of quantum machine learning and quantum simulation. I'm also doing a secondary field concentration in science, technology, and society studies, where I study more of the ethics and, and geopolitics of quantum technologies in general. Um, I am one of the co-founders of the Quantum Ethics Project, and I am also the research lead where I lead uh, research on uh, ethical and political aspects of quantum technologies. So let's talk about the Quantum Ethics Project. How did it get started and what are the goals of the problem? Right. So um, it got started in 2020, 2021 um, by Joanne Arrow, who is the CEO and, and um, of the project. Uh, I was brought in in 2022 um, when Joanne was starting to build a network of collaborators that she wanted to, to chat with. Um, first, it was just uh, a group of four of us uh, chatting once a week about what we thought um, quantum ethics should be about. And it started because all of us in our respective academic programs, PhDs and masters, we started to notice that there was a missing conversation of what does it mean to bring quantum to the world and whose world is that and for what purpose and for whose benefit. So we started from that. Um, the, the goal is to provide a space for people to attend to the social, political, ethical, and economic questions of the technologies, uh, either through technical research, uh, social science research, but also through Yeah, I'd exactly what Rodrigo said. We've been very busy gathering all these people up into a big Discord server. That's kind of the main home where the QEP lives currently, 
in addition to some uh, in-person hubs in Waterloo, in Boston, in Karlsruhe, in Boulder, and so on. And yeah, apart from these internal discussions, we've been hosting a fair number of lectures, seminars, uh, partnering with other organizations. So for example, we've we've held those events at Perimeter, uh, especially for their uh, PSI master's program. Um, we've held workshops for Qubit by Qubit. Um, we produced some video content for Girls in Quantum. That was very fun. And yeah, lots more to share. When I look at quantum ethics, some of the ethical questions that come up seem very, very similar to other new technologies. So for instance, on AI, people say, well, there's got to be a group of nations that have access to this technology and those that do not. And is that fair? Uh, same could be said for vaccine development, right? Uh, there's a group of people that have access to the vaccine earlier than others uh, because maybe they live in more developed countries or they happen to have uh, a pharma company located there. Uh, How are quantum ethics different than the ethic concerns of other new technologies? Mm -hmm. No, this is a fantastic question and one that we actually receive a lot. Um, the, the answer is some of it is different, some of it is very similar. Um, as you pointed out, this issue of unequal distribution and unequal development, um, particularly in the world that we are in today, where there's tensions between Western and, and uh, Eastern nations, is uh, uh, one of the problems that we definitely attend to, not only through quantum, but through other technologies such as AI, semiconductors, uh, etc. Um, in some ways, quantum is a example of how those questions must be asked in every emergent technology. And quantum does provide with some unique opportunities in that regard because it is developing a little slower. And because of that, we can get very early on into the conversation and start shaping the, the technology in uh, different ways than we did with AI or we have done with uh, uh, semiconductors, etc. Um, I think there are some differences, of course. Uh, we, I don't think that we've had other technology that can break encryption uh, for a long time. And so in that sense, that is unique. Um, there are other unique aspects of quantum. It's early to it's too early to tell um, what the most dangerous or impactful applications will be. Um, I think at this point we should keep an eye open for uh, those differences, but also leverage the similarities and use our knowledge from those fields that have already been explored. And Anna, maybe can you give uh, sure. an example of something um, that is specific? Maybe a good example would actually be taken framework? from our, our community blog that we started recently. So I think, you know, ethics comes with the the stage at which a technology is at. And currently the, the people who are most in contact with quantum are the researchers themselves. So I think a lot of discussion revolves around scientific conduct, uh, hype, etc. And yeah, if you want to go check out a, a blog post by Sean Skelton, uh, that really digs into a recent example of overstating the power of quantum 
uh, versus classical methods. So I think this is this is very dominant, perhaps more dominant uh, than it is in, in AI, because in AI, for sure, we have so many applications that affect people's uh, daily lives who aren't researchers yet. So I think, uh, at least from from my perspective, the the emphasis of the conversation lies elsewhere, and perhaps quantum will move towards that in the future, as applications also become more more real. Um, but but again, you know, you you asked me about a specific difference, and as Rodrigo said, there are specific similarities and differences. But I think that at the QEP we started off with that question. We wanted to carve out, okay, what really is different from quantum ethics? What can we learn from AI ethics? What can we adapt? But I think we've shifted to to emphasizing that it's not so much a, a list of, of topics. Uh, if it is, then it's a very much evolving list of topics. And rather, we want it to be a, you know an active reflection process uh, that should come with the development of any technology. And and. On the technical side, you know, quantum is going to overlap with AI, with classical hardware, with nanotechnology, and with all kinds of other technologies. And so, I think it's it's very natural for the ethics to to overlap as well. Mm -hmm. And maybe to add to Anna, just very briefly, uh, I really like this example of um, uh, that she gave of more quantum computation does promise to revolutionize the way that we do computation. And that is very um, unique in this case. Now, we should always be be asking, why are these claims being made? Uh, under what politics? Are these politics of uh, some exclusionary um, stride from academics or industry? Or is it coming more from a, from the point of view of like, there is something here that is very different, that is very innovative, and that we should be looking out for. So where in the spectrum do we land on this politics when we ask what is properly quantum or not is a very important question. And um, so just to say that, yes, there, there are unique differences again, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the reflection of why do we ask, why are we asking whether it's unique or not? I can understand the researcher implications Let's assume I'm a CEO of a company that's working in quantum technology. Um, if I'm working in other areas, maybe I can, legal or regulatory issues aside, I can put ethical limits on the use of my product. So I can say I'm an internet service provider. I'm willing to put a, a store for uh, clothing, but uh, you're not going to be able to use my internet service for human trafficking, for instance. But in the quantum field, other than sort of the general interest, what is the implication for someone running? Well, I think perhaps the simple answer, at least from my non-CEO perspective, is that it's it's up to you to to make that decision. I mean, you you have your values. You grow up in a, a society with certain values, and it's uh, you're up to you to to make those de decisions and, and shape where the applications go. Right. So when when we're talking about, uh, I really like this this example that you gave of you can use my you can use my internet server for certain things and not others. Um, this is a conversation that we see often times in science technology studies. Um, it goes under the name of dual use. I mean, what are the uses that we're giving to a technology, and what uses we 
do not want to give to a technology. In the case of quantum, I mean, there's obvious dual use cases. Um, we can use a computer for, uh, you know, for doing for cryptographic purposes, which can be either defensive or offensive. Um, in and there seems to be a problematization of quantum computing developed by military agents, even at the even at the industrial level. Uh, one thing that is less problematized, for example, sometimes is the promise of chemistry, the fact that we can help in development of um, better drugs or, or things like this. You can use it for drugs that cure diseases or you can use it for toxins. So there has to be that constant checks and balances when, when somebody is using the technology. What are they using it for? Um, what is their goal? Uh, that's a conversation I think that we need maybe to one more perspective to have on it is that, level, you know, right? there's so much talk about public dialogue, engaging the public. And, you know, on the one hand, that's very difficult because there are so many emerging technologies. And uh, I don't think that, you know, if you don't work with any of these, you, you want to go and learn the details of every one of them. You don't want to go and study quantum and AI and all of these topics. I don't think that's necessarily the the way forward with uh, with public uh, dialogue at least not the only route and perhaps an easier way to address the complexity of emerging technology together with the need for public dialogue is engaging people in that question of what do we apply it to um, and getting their feedback on on that aspect of quantum So when, when we're talking about, uh, I really like this, this example that you gave of, you can use my, you can use my internet server for certain things and not others. Um, this is a conversation that we see often times in science technology studies. Um, it goes under the name of dual use. I mean, what are the uses that we're giving to a technology and what uses we do not want to give to a technology in the case of quantum, I mean, there's obvious dual use cases. Um, we can use a computer for, uh, you know, for doing for cryptographic purposes, which can be either defensive or offensive. Um, in, and there seems to be a problematization of quantum computing developed by military agents, even at the, even at the industrial level. Uh, one thing that is less problematized, for example, sometimes is the promise of chemistry, the fact that we can helping development of um, better drugs or, or things like this. You can use it for drugs that cure diseases or you can use it for toxins. So there has to be that constant checks and balances when, when somebody is using the technology, what are they using it for? Um, what is their goal? Uh, that's a conversation that we need to have. Maybe one more perspective to have on it is that, level, you know, right? there's so much talk about public dialogue, engaging the public and you know, on the one hand, that in some areas such as health, there is, there are opportunities and bodies that work with uh, many countries to create an international cooperation. So the World Health Organization, for instance, is very helpful in identifying um, pandemics or in um, promoting best practices or sometimes distributing medicine to countries that perhaps don't have their own supply. Do you see an opportunity for a world yeah, quantum but... organization? 
True. I, I, I read read that suggestion in your, in your recent um, uh, post. I thought that was quite interesting. I think it reminded me very much of a discussion I had with some people at IEEE Ethics uh, this year in Chicago. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I'm a physicist by training and this was more a collection of engineers. Uh, and I was very struck that they have this professional organization that has a code of ethics. So it's part of their professional identity to, you know, if I if I build this bridge, I'm the first person to walk across the bridge, this kind of mentality. And so I was really wondering whether it would be possible, uh, you know, in addition to building the quantum workforce, to also build a kind of professional association um, that, you know, embodies that spirit about caring about not just the technical, but those those other questions. Uh, so perhaps that's uh, the most connected thought I've had uh, to your world quantum organization. In some areas such as health, there, really, there are opportunities and bodies that uh, work with uh, many countries to create an international cooperation. So the World Health Organization, for instance, is very helpful in identifying um, pandemics or in um, promoting best practices or sometimes distributing medicine to countries that perhaps don't have their own supply. Do you see an opportunity for a world yeah, quantum uh, organization? True. I, I, I read read that suggestion in your, in your recent uh, post. I thought that was quite interesting. I think it reminded me very much of... I, I can see how ethics discussions in universities happen in liberal, liberal arts colleges. Do you also see them happening in higher education organizations that are primarily technological? I, I mean, Rodrigo, you are in Harvard, you're next to MIT. For instance, is there ethics activity at MIT with regards to such new technologies? Absolutely. I mean, um, let's, I mean, MIT has a long history of also attending to these questions uh, with regards to nuclear. Uh, development and nuclear proliferation, right? Um, the Union of Concerned Scientists, which is a, 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 a organization that organizes scientists who cares about these types of questions, might as well have been called the Union of Concerned Nuclear Scientists, nuclear physicists, right? And it started at MIT, and its headquarters is a block over that way, right next to Harvard. So MIT has had some some experience with that, and other organizations have. There's been a long history of engineering programs um, incorporating aspects of um, aspects of, of responsible research and innovation. Um, so now that being said, I think it's severely missing, right? Um, and I think that we should definitely expand it in the case of emergent technologies, which is a, a conversation that is that is starting to happen, but still has a long ways to go. And I wanted to ask um, about the, the quantum ethics project. Can you have sort of the equivalent of the Ten Commandments of Ethics or a framework that people could use if they don't want to dive into the entire book? You know, we've, we've mentioned a couple of examples, but I'll, I think I'll, I'll resist the temptation to give a list because, right, as we said, I think it's more about just being 
conscious while you're doing your quantum research and maybe even putting those thoughts down on paper, you know? Uh, you don't have to dive into the whole uh, book of, of quantum ethics, which which doesn't really exist, by the way. Um, you, you should just look out and, and see what's going on. You know, this, this example I gave earlier of uh, overstating quantum solutions versus versus classical methods in, in the particular case that conversation was certainly going on in many research groups uh, you know the quantum ethics project is by far not the only place where these conversations happen and i think what we're just trying to do is make those existing conversations more more visible and make it part of just your your everyday practice as a quantum student as a quantum professional and so i don't think there's a there's a need to to, to have a, a canon, let's say. And you didn't read me much, but she was just around the corner here. So, <laughs> Rodrigo, any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I do have some thoughts. So I, I was actually interning at, at IBM Quantum for the summer. And I can tell you that in there, there is some efforts from the, from, uh, the team to kind of develop some notion of responsible quantum computing. Um, I think it's important to start thinking about this at different levels. Um, I think that organizations, large tech organizations, but also startups and also universities should start thinking about what is their own definition of, of uh, responsible quantum? Um, what are their five, 10 tenants or whatever, however many? Um, but more than that, I would like to see a, a sharing of those tenants um, so that we can compare. I mean, these tenants are going to portray a value system and value systems are locally defined. Um, academics will have a very different value system than, than uh, startups, than companies, and even companies in other countries will have a different uh, value system. So I would like to see kind of this conversation starting to emerge because we should treat this as an object of research and if we do believe in, in research being open to the public, then we should publish this, this value systems and see how they can interact with each other. How do we negotiate them? I think definitely we should start developing them. We, the QEP, have some internal, you know, things that we abide by, but uh, we would not say to somebody else, you should abide by this too. As we get close to the end of our conversation, I wanted to ask from a quantum ethics perspective, Ooh. What keeps you up at maybe well, maybe since your, uh, your your question has a slight dark touch to it, uh, I'll turn it around and uh, make it a little positive because I think, uh, at least for me, being part of the QEP has definitely not just been about problematizing. Um, it's just been uh, really my route of of getting involved in in questions that I guess also exist in, in wider quantum debates, namely this intersection of quantum and sustainability. So I think if something keeps me up at night, it's just the excitement right now that I, I get to get to work at that intersection um, and, you know, realize in detail what it means that energy transitions, climate topics are complex and complex not just in the quantum sense. You know, we can have our, our fancy AI quantum algorithms, but then there's a lot of uh, pre-work that needs to be done, which I'm realizing doesn't actually sound that exciting. You know, getting the data ready, because if there's no data, no visualization of 
let's say, energy grid, flexibility, availability, storage, if you don't have that data, then there's nothing to optimize. So, yeah, I think I'm just excited <laughs> awake at night, not always, but sometimes, to see what's ahead in the in the coming year. Wrap it down for out. Burn. <laughs> And we're good to go. Um, well, in some ways, being part of the QAP has probably made me sleep better um, because I'm attending to these questions and I already wanted to do it. But there are things that do keep me up at night in terms of, of quantum. I think um, I would definitely hate to see a world that continues to be divided over this technology and where this technology is making that division even sharper. I think that that's something that definitely keeps me up at night. And um, the the perspective of, of having all of our, all of our um, encryption render useless on a, on a heartbeat is something that, that I do not want to see. Uh, I also don't want to see, I don't want to see it from both ends, like neither from on the west or from the east. Uh, I would just hate to see it overall. And last uh, hypothetical, if you could have dinner with one of the quantum or ethics greats, dead or alive, who would that be? Uh, Rodrigo, maybe you first and then Anna. Um, I would love to have dinner with Jaiwei Pan, who is the, who has been called the father of, of quantum in China. Um, he did his PhD in, in Austria under on, on Anton Selinger, who got the Nobel Prize last year, and then he moved to China and has been leading a lot of really interesting projects, uh, such as putting um, putting satellites in space and linking up uh, quantum networks. I would love to get his opinion on how things look like in terms of how does he perceive Chinese quantum and how does he perceive American quantum. Um, and we would love to get to see his perspective. Mm, I guess I uh, that would be answers. very exciting. Uh, maybe one less serious than the other. Uh, the makers of quantum mania. <laughs> it's very fun to talk about quantum in different contexts. So I think I'd just be very curious how that idea came up and what that process means. You know, they brought quantum to the public for sure. So how do you turn that into a blockbuster? Uh, and then maybe on the more serious side, uh, we were organizing a, a panel discussion for World Quantum Day uh, a few months ago, and we had a contribution from some collaborators at One Cubana. And so I would love to go over there, uh, let's say to Ghana or another place in Africa, have dinner with one of the leaders of quantum there and really understand what quantum means in their context. Because I felt like I, you know, I couldn't quite picture what does quantum development mean to them so yeah i i can see how ethics discussions in universities happen in liberal liberal arts colleges do you also see them happening in higher education wonderful thank you uh rodrigo anna thank you so much for joining me today thank you Jumaf. thank you for the invitation